We are geek-centric, and you can be too. What is up, geeks? This is the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Nate, and in this episode, we celebrate 2019 and talk about our top favorite movies released this year. Uh, And after three and a half hours of Star Wars, you'd think that we'd be done with it, but oh no. Uh, We still have uh, the last three episodes of The Mandalorian to discuss in our end-of-year watch club. Uh, But first... If you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the show, we have the gestational judge of movies, Jojo Justin. Yo, yo. (laughs) And to his right, my left, we have Kevin, the combustible critic of films. Are you suggesting I'm angry or something? <laughs> it might happen like once or twice on this podcast. Maybe. Guys, it's the end of the year. We made it. Oh, yeah. 2019 is over. That it, went by quick. It did go by quick. Right? right? Yeah. Looking it, looking at lists of movies that came out this year, I was like, that was this year? Right. That, you know, it, was, it feels like, yeah, there's so many that, uh, I mean, we're going to get to a bunch of them in our, our topic of the show, but there are so many that came out uh, this year that I was like, really? Toy Story 4 was this year? Yeah. It was crazy, yeah, man. Yeah, I know. Um, so really, really cool stuff. Obviously, um, we aren't really going to talk about Watcha, as we're going to probably be talking a lot about it in our topic of the show. So um, for Watcha, I was just wondering, guys, how was your holidays? How was your Christmas? I'm still full. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's such a so stupid much thing to complain about, but it's, it was so much food. Yeah. Justin, do you have the same thing? Um, I was just, I tried to like do portion control because like I hate that that feeling. I think it was Christmas Day though. I was so full and I was just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> but uh, other than the food experience, you know, the, the whole family experience was yeah. pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. The yep. usual sort of formula, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, gifts were, were pretty, were pretty light. I, you know, I think we're going to Disney obviously for, right. for this guy's wedding. I know. I, I think I, I, think I ruined everyone's Christmas <laughs> no, this no, year because no, everyone no, was no. like, we're taking it easy because we're doing the wedding well, in no, January. But, but people were asking, they're like, well, what do you want for Christmas? What do you, and I'm just like cash. Cause like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Star Wars. Yeah. I'm going to go to Galaxy's Edge and I'm going to spend a lot of money. Get your own, yeah. so, get your own presents oh, there. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I want that lightsaber. I want that droid. Oh, Dude. Yeah. And all the food that's there, too. I mean, because oh, yeah. you didn't eat <laughs> enough already. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin, did you get anything special this holiday season? Um, the gift of friendship. No. Um, <laughs> Lame. No, I, I got some really cool uh, Star Wars stuff that my brother uh, secretly got from Star Wars Celebration. So oh, that was cool. cool for me to point out a few things to him and then yeah. think I'll never see those again. Oh, wow. And so I think he said, with you, he packed in the room when Justin and I were off doing something. Yeah, and he I was may remember. Hiding yeah. them. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so that was, it was like, oh, that's sick. I can't believe yeah. you actually got that. That's so cool. That was cool. It was just a really nice, relaxing Christmas. Yes. Usually yeah, we're running back and forth to Sarah's parents, then her sister, then my place. And it was like, we're just doing one place this yeah. year. For three days bunking down and it was beautiful good. Yeah. yeah getting to nice. getting to see the family and sort of spend uh, a significant amount of time with them is uh, is always a special thing and uh some really cool stuff i got an r2d2 uh instant pot which oh, nice. like I'm i noticed that using. there yeah. yeah there's a yeah. chewy one there's a c3po yep. one there's yeah. a whole bunch i'm gonna there's get all Darth of them Vader. and cook with all of them at the same time <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think the, the R2 R- the R- one's R2. the best. It, it lends sense, itself. Right? It looks, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, R2 it's, D2 it's the best yeah. body. The Chewy one looks weird. Yes. I didn't like the Chewy one. Because it's like printed like like Wookiee fur with like the belt and metal and stuff. And I feel like any pork meat you'd cook and it would be undercooked, right? And then it would be really chewy. What's the point? But oh my goodness! Right? <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, uh, that was a little bit about our holidays, um, guys. Listen, we've got so much to talk about today, so we are going to move right into our topic of the show. So for this last episode, our topic of the show was no small task. While 2019 didn't serve up the most movies of the decade, it certainly had some of the best. And uh, we're going to narrow it down to just five of our top movies of the year um, and talk about why they made our list. Before we start, I think it's important to mention the fact that, you know, this was a really hard task. Like, you know, the movie theater experience is, you know... I didn't see as many movies that I had wanted to see in theater just because of how hard it was oh, to actually yeah. see those movies. Absolutely. Um, and it be, it came down to trying to find like decent streams mm-hmm. or, you know, an, a download that yeah. I could actually watch it from because screeners are out now. Um, but it, it just, it, it, I don't understand. Do these movies not want to make money? Because like it, big movies like, I just recently saw 1917 and phenomenal movie, but like, I had to literally travel to one theater in Toronto at a VIP theater with like 15 people sitting in front of a screen that looked like it could have been in my dad's basement circa 2002. And it was like, why do I have to go all the way there to, to watch this big movie that should be everywhere? Well, I think it, it has a, a big part to do with studio distribution yeah. like and how these movies get made and, and where they're getting made. And I think um, the pro- people are staying home. Yeah. Yeah. There's so often. much to watch at home now. The Irishman. You don't have to go yeah, to theaters. Different. TV, like the streaming game is is really changing things. I do wish, though, that they could find a way to get these movies that might not be distributed, you know, heavily through studios, like so they're in theaters, but to, to, to make them more immediate in the streaming service. You know what I mean? Like it would be great to have watched a really good copy of JoJo on some sort of streaming platform. Yeah. Um, just because, okay, well, we weren't able to get in as many theaters. Well, then let's just do a big push here for like some streaming but, service. But what was the reason that it couldn't get into theaters? Is it Does it well, vary? Is I it because of Star Wars? I think Wars? it's finance. I think it's finance. I think it's like theater slots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like Star Wars a, is taking up like six different look, theaters, I right? don't. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but yeah. you have to think that you know, studios that are backing these for distribution purposes. Yeah. Who are they? What are, you know, where is it? These, a lot of these films are also more festival driven and, right. and independently produced. Yeah. Um, so they, those will have a harder time in terms of finding their way into theaters. And yeah. it is from this idea of like the reviews and how it gets uh, watched that it'll eventually be like, oh, well, this movie's doing really well. Like, let's put more slots of it into multiple theaters. The theaters need to see that the movies are profiting mm-hmm. for them to then say, okay, we're going to, we're going to start doing right. full Jojo pull. rabbit doesn't have the bankability of a star Wars or a Avengers or yeah, what have you. Right? And, I, and I think that comes down to the idea too, of like, you know, we, we were talking about it with Avengers and, you know, Scorsese's quote, you know, yeah. what is cinema? You know yeah. what I mean? Some of these movies don't find their way into that because they're not, they're not, you know, privileged to have maybe the, the funding behind it to really push it. So, so, Listen, we've all got our lists. Uh, we've all been working uh, tirelessly and vigorously to catch up in watching a bunch of movies. I know I did, um, and I, I'm sure you guys did too. Uh, who would like to go first in their number five, uh, fifth movie of the year? Okay, I'll start off. My number five movie of the year um, was probably the second biggest movie event of the year. 10, 11 years in the making, 22 movies leading up to it, Endgame. It delivered. Yeah. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it's probably the 
the most complete comic book movie I've, mm. I think I've ever seen. It was very satisfying and enjoyable. And so it definitely has a place on my list just because of how special it was to see this sort of movie event in theaters. Yeah. It's closure. It's like a conclusion, right? It really it was. Like, yeah. I, I feel like it's almost like the Marvel universe is restarting moving mm-hmm. forward, you know? Yeah. That's um, why a lot of people think of it as like almost like a an end, obviously, to one chapter and, and a beginning of a new sort of like reboot to what Marvel Cinematic Universe could look like. But it's cool that they were able to nail that all in one movie. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's something that I think it's. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it a little as, bit later. I'm as, sure. Yeah, as Kevin was saying, though, it's like a 22 movie buildup for right. it, right? So, you know, to have 22 movies over the last 10 years or plus 10 years, 12, 11 years, um, to to lead it to this is, you know, it's pretty epic. And 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 the way they handle, you know, especially Tony Stark and Iron Man, and yeah. and just and the fact that even filming, they were coming up with the perfect lines to really seal everything off and you know so for him to his last words you know essentially to be i am iron man yeah just such yeah. a cool bookend yeah. on that character yeah. i mean i'll miss him not as much as the gentleman behind behind me <laughs> that, guy that, that is crying that is my favorite movie experience of all time <laughs> through his weep his captain america awesome. mask <laughs> i could hear his seat shaking with his tears wow. <laughs> it's incredible it was pretty awesome cool so that is your number five Numero avengers five. Endgame. endgame. All right, Justin. All right, cool. Um, my number five is one that we've talked about mm-hmm. in great lengths, and that is Knives Out, mm. written and directed by Ryan Johnson. You know, obviously, as we've mentioned, you know, the film does play with that, you know, whodunit murder mystery sort of uh, genre. Um, I found the movie deeply satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. The acting is unbelievable with a huge cast. The structure of the story and the pacing is awesome. Yeah. Uh, the way the audience learns the narrative elements as well, uh, being that, you know, I guess, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this, uh, but learning that you, you know, how the events happened halfway mm-hmm. through the movie, mm-hmm. um, you know, we all talked about how it felt kind of unconventional based on this sort of structure. We thought we would learn that at the end, but it only set up more of a precedence as, as the audience goes along and, and goes deeper. Yeah. Um, that so was, that was almost the twist. Right. Yes. It was. The twist exactly. wasn't who did it. It was how you found out who yeah. did it. it was yeah, that, exactly. Which was really kind of cool. It was a cool. twist on a twist. Yeah. yeah it was, it yeah. was a double twist, right? <laughs> yeah. Twisty it, twist. It just, it keeps the audience guessing. Yeah. Um, even in times when you think you know, it, it quickly shifts in, in a different direction. Um, but yeah, overall, incredibly fun movie. I think like Kevin said that word so many times fun. during that podcast because it, it's the perfect word to describe it. Yeah. It's fun. They had fun. You can see that they had fun. Yes. Um, and, and I think that just bleeds through the screen into the into the audience. So yeah, yeah unbelievable. Excellent. Going from fun to something that is definitely much more fun. Uh, my number five is Joker. That's one of the most miserable experiences <laughs> that you've had in a theater. I, and it wasn't because I... You know, I didn't. I, it wasn't good. Yes. You know, I've, as yeah, I've said, it's it because it was, I've, I've never felt more uncomfortable watching something in my life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen. This is an incredible take on a story that, like, everyone in our geek culture is so familiar with. Um, and we reviewed this movie in our first episode. Um, I think just like the unbelievable performance that Joaquin Phoenix gave in this, gives in this movie is like. It, I, for me, that's my favorite performance that he's ever yeah. done yeah. Uh, so far. And it's it's just like, I think it's actually my favorite performance of the year, um, if I was to narrow that down. Interesting. Uh, even though we're not doing a f- top five performance year list. Um, but uh, but like he's almost unrecognizable in some parts of this movie. Like it's, it, and it, it's also cool how this movie is not really like, it's not a horror movie, but it 
it like creeps its way into your mind. And at least for me, it, it stayed in my mind for like weeks after I, I left the I theater. Would, I would say it's a, it's a psychological horror. Sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But not like a traditional, like people were saying, it's scary. It's I don't think it's it's scary in the sense that most people would want to go see a scary movie no, in, that, right? I think it's a loose term. Yeah. I think it's scary how real yes. it is. Yeah, for yes. sure. It is definitely scary. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's disturbing, right? It's a disturbing... Uh, character study of a guy mm. who's being disregarded by society and like because of that he, he decides to burn it all down and, and right. really become it's kind of also like a, a a coming of age story as well because he becomes who he really truly wants to be uh, at the end in, in a messed up way um, I think this is as powerful as any Scorsese film in my opinion uh, which is funny because um, Todd Phillips is such an affinity for Scorsese's work I do think it actually is a masterpiece of a movie in my opinion, Interesting. and it takes play in my my number five spot. Funny though that you put uh, you put that on there because like a big part of my list is definitely going with like you know good good storytelling and yep. also just incredible performances. Yes, um, so that was one that stood out in my mind too to, as a potential for the the five. Yeah, um, it'd probably be in the top ten, but yeah. you know, yeah, I think I only saw about ten movies in theater this year, and that yeah. would be my twentieth favorite. Oh wow, Jeez. wow, okay. I just, just you, you know. had a tough time with it. It was rough. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Like kudos to them for making me feel like that absolutely i just it's just not something i want <laughs> kevin what is your number four before kevin gets to his number four yeah i just have one question for nate about joker okay did you cry at all <laughs> uh, it's a it's a meter for for reading <laughs> it's there's a reason it's my number five i did not cry don't worry there's also, a lot of tears there's some to tears come. coming up yeah awesome. in these next couple of Perfect. movies here okay well speaking of tears mm. uh this one this one got me close they don't usually do it, but this one got me close. Okay. Maybe the closest this year. Let's hear it. Toy Story Four, mm. and and I and I need to preface the fact that I enjoyed this so much. I thought this was the most pointless movie of all time before uh, going into see yes, going to see yes. it. Why? Yeah. Three ended perfectly. <laughs> we don't so need any more. And then yeah. it was like, oh, yeah. That's why you closed it even more. How yeah. is that possible? That's why I would say that. Toy Story 4 would be on a top 10 list for sure because it totally subverted like I wasn't I had no anticipation for this movie I was like okay I'm gonna go see it because it's a Toy Story movie yeah I walked out of that movie feeling like my it's my second favorite Toy Story movie really yeah. it might be on the top of my list really? for Toy Story it yeah. might be it on wow. beating out Toy Story 2 already did that yeah I love oh, 2 wow. I know nobody puts 2 at the top <laughs> of their list the comedy in 2 I thought was a lot better yeah but that's what I liked, I think, about yeah. this one was the comedy was so good and it was Buzz hilarious. Buzz, Buzz was with great. With like, his like with the with the internal voice telling yeah. him what to do. I loved it. It just it it created such a um it broke new boundaries with the comedy I found. Yeah. Well and I level. and I think what I liked most was it also gave Woody a story and yes. a close to that story. And he really yeah. is yeah. the main character. Yeah. Yep. And he wasn't in three. Mm. You know, it wasn't his story. It was their story together. So right. this was this was the toy story, and the toy was Woody. And yeah. for him to take that brave step and and start a new chapter and and be happy for himself, not yeah. to bring happiness, I liked it. I, I fully teared up at the end of that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, um, but I still loved it. Like I, it was one of the few of the Pixar movies that I haven't actually cried in, but. Um, but I did think it was it was an extremely lovely end for Woody and, and also just the parallels for him and uh, Forky. Um, yeah, really, really dug that movie as well. Excellent. Well, Toy Story 4, number four for Kevin. Justin, what is your number four? Uh, my number four is Uncut Gems. Mm. Uh, by the Safdie brothers. Okay. Uh, starring Adam Sandler mm -hmm. and outstanding performance in yeah. this movie. 
Uh, just to give a little background, the movie focuses on Howard Ratner, a diamond dealer in New York. Um, the movie is just, it, it really talks about like the addiction of gambling and, and almost a gratification that comes from the winning and then digging yourself deeper and, and taking your winnings and going further and further um, and just where it leads this character. Uh, Adam Sandler was unbelievable in this movie. Really, like, Honestly, like drama roles for him should just be the only thing he does now. Yeah, going um, forward. Going, for, was, going forward. Was this yeah. one of his like Netflix Movies that he'd remember no. he did like a bunch of Netflix no, movies no, that were this, crap. No, no. yeah, this, was oh, yeah. A, this is one of those independent produced films. Yeah, A twenty four. It was. It's one of their highest like grossing films. That's they're, awesome. They're fairly. They produce a lot of of really good movies. Um, but yeah, getting back to Sandler's performance, uh, it's just it was incredible. It, he was so scumbaggy and like you liked him. Um, his surrounding like sort of. Uh, supporting actors there were yeah. there were some that were actually julia fox uh who plays julia in the in the film uh she there's her first film and she did such an amazing performance the, the whole movie feels very very raw and gritty um you know there's there's literally the film just takes your nerve endings and just like destroys them it's it's fast paced it's raw uh you can't relax during watching it mm. um once it ends it's like a huge weight just lifted off of your shoulders because it's just so like high pace, like it's it's really well done. Um, that is my number four. My number four is uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, this is directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. Holy crap! I had no idea what to expect when I went into this movie, and this movie has so 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 much heart. Um, it's it's a really lovely like simple story about like brotherhood and themes of destiny and family. Um, for those who don't know, it's it's about a young man with Downs who escapes uh, a retirement home and runs into a man on the run, and they form kind of this incredible bond as they travel to a wrestling school in Florida. Um, it sounds really strange, um, but I have to say Shia LaBeouf gives the best performance I have ever seen him give, ever. I didn't even think I would ever say that about Shia LaBeouf, but he's he's he does such an incredible job in this movie. Um, Is he a supporting actor? In he's it? the lead. At, well, no, actually, I guess you're right. I guess he would be the supporting actor, but I think I think no, I'd say he's a lead, and then uh, the other lead is Zach uh, Gottsagen, who um, who's a new actor and he does a phenomenal job. He's so charming and uh, likable. He plays Zach. He's the he's the kid with or the the man with uh, Downs that that escapes with uh, with Shia, and um, it's just like. This, and now, and now, does the actor himself actually have? Yes, yes. So it's not a, a Leonardo DiCaprio sort no, of thing. No, okay. you can't. I don't think you could do that. Not nowadays. anymore. You know, not, not anymore. in 2019. No, no for and sure. I don't think you should. No, but, I don't think you should. But the yeah. cool thing is, is like when you're watching it. I don't know, man. It just it felt so grounded in reality. It felt so realistic. It sounded like all these things this guy would actually say. But like having played someone with special needs himself in the Disney Channel original movie True Confessions, um, Shia LaBeouf. You know, it was it was interesting because like watching it kind of felt like an updated. 2019 version of a similar story which basically is like proving no matter who you are or what lot in life you've been given you can choose your own destiny and, and choose your own family and uh and dakota johnson is in this movie uh she's equally as just wonderful and, and heartwarming um this whole movie is just 
heartwarming um and in, not in like a cheesy schmaltzy way but in like in a way that made me happy to see stories like this in in right. storytelling in cinema like stories that sort of change my perspective on a whole group of people uh who like i interact with regularly um like we've talked about like apple tv plus and how those series how we thought they might be trying to um express a specific moral message in each of their their shows or for the most part in in some of their shows um and i just felt like this movie does such a good job at at just kind of elevating my understanding of an entire group of people that i just didn't think about before and you know i i hate, I hate to say that because it makes me sound like a huge jerk but like realistically no. i i just haven't really explored that world and so to see this just change my perspective completely and it's so cool that a movie can do that you know yeah did you cry i cried so many times in this movie i <laughs> cried like two or three times go see this movie or, or i guess it's on itunes just rent it it's awesome it's an awesome movie. i honestly hadn't even heard of it yeah. until you brought it I, up i heard about it because of shia labeouf and yeah. like the performance that he gives is you know because shia labeouf is an interesting character in 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 the world in the world yeah. so you know when he gets into a movie and he actually the dude knows how to act like when i watched him in this movie he was uh he wasn't Shia LaBeouf, right? Like, he was Tyler. It reminded me, I guess the feeling that I got the most out of it was, like, a feeling of Napoleon Dynamite or, you know, that sort of, like, lower budget style in a movie. But just you take away all the cheese and 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 uh, silliness and you get this really heartwarming movie. Sounds like a grittier version of Little Miss Sunshine. Mm. Yeah, actually, I... I absolutely can make that uh, that connection yeah, for sure based on what you're describing yeah from so. the storyline cool right, cool that is my number four uh the peanut butter falcon kevin what is your number three uh well we've already talked about this movie a little bit so i won't go into it but it certainly does remind me of the wonderful gift that my geek centric uh compatriots uh, got for me which is a beautiful knife set and a knife sharpener which Ooh. i am so excited well, to because not many people know this but you're a bit of a cooking geek too. i do yes yeah cooking is yeah the the least nerdy hobby i have maybe. sure sure you know? yeah but you can be geek centric about cooking that's well, absolutely fine you know, well, well if you want the when knife I make, set when i make like star wars themed pasta i don't even know what that would be the, the, the meatballs look like death stars i don't know yeah wookie yeah. cookies wookie cookies wookie cookies yeah so, yeah there you yeah. go um but yeah so uh, speaking of knives uh, yes. my third favorite movie of the year was knives out for sure awesome and i will just uh stress again how incredible daniel craig is in it like he his performance Again, alone. Another another nominee for best actor. I hope so. I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, and he deserves the nod. For and sure. he, I thought the accent would get to me, and it didn't. Like Never. I, not I, once. Eh? I ended up. He liking did it, it so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just that molasses drawl. Uh, it's yeah. Mm. It was just he was such a different character than I'm used to seeing seeing him be. You know what I mean? Like I guess I've only really personally watched him in the in the Bond films, right? right? So just to see him do this, like sort of, he was still debonair and suave, but like in such a different way. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So that's your that's your number three. Number Kevin. three. Yep. Knives Out, directed by the Last Jedi director Ryan Johnson. Justin, <laughs> what is your number three? My number three is Jojo Rabbit. Jojo. Jojo. This is this is getting fun. Yeah. People stealing my movies. Oh, no. <laughs> you got a chance to watch it, Kevin? 
I finally did. Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, we can we can all talk about it because yeah. like where it's my number two. It's, it's your my number, number two. two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If okay, I'm getting cool. ahead of three, yeah. Okay, cool. It's my number two for it's sure. It's your number two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, first, the thing I loved about it is that the marketing of this film makes it seem like it's just a story about a boy living in World War II times, and his imaginary friend is you know this personification of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. However, as the movie progresses, we learn it's about so much more. Yes. Um, it's it's really a, like for me, I found it a satirical depiction of of war and hate through child a child's eye yeah um which also exemplifies the absurdity of some of the nazi ideology um this is something that isn't really new but you know taika's depiction of these events through the whimsical journey of a child helps draw a message of kind of like acceptance and tolerance Hmm. um i feel like you know the the music choices that they they really used throughout uh some pop culture songs but with uh, German flair. Yeah, um, I thought that was really was really. <laughs> yeah, it was great. cool. It had like the the well, the opening song the was during the montage of when they're trying. Uh, I want to hold your hand. Yeah, they but do. They German. do a couple like Beatles Beatles yeah. covers. Yeah, yeah. 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 so good. Even the end credits, I think, is another. I don't know if it's a Beatles song, but it's another popular song. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. but it was in a German. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah German, German cover. Of, yeah, 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 it was yeah. great. Um, performances oh. again, Yorkie. Yeah, Yorkie was like the surprise. Like he's the best friend of JoJo. Yeah. Um. And oh my god, like just played like, by uh, played by Archie Yates, the new Home Alone. So right. he's gonna be the new Home Alone. Yes. yes. Okay. Cool. I was trying to remember. Yeah. And yeah. so seeing him be that likable, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. We'll, yeah. We'll absolutely. see. I'm still not yeah. looking forward to We're it. Hoping. I don't think it's a good idea, but I'll check <laughs> but it out I, because I honestly, of him. I'm like, I'm excited now. <laughs> I'm excited so now. But yeah, it's also just like his his comedic timing. Yeah. And like yeah, it's, a, it's like he's a hundred year old man trapped in a little boy's body. Right? Yeah, like he's just so, it's so it's like you good. take the two main characters of Up and mash them together, and you've got this kid <laughs> like Absolutely. a and Carl. That's so good. That's so true. Well, and I didn't know Sam Rockwell was in it. Yes, that's always a fun and surprise. How, how, and it's like, like nice was his like whole arc. Yeah, right. Like especially yeah. near the end. Well, uh, yeah. So like I, I really loved like some of the scenes that uh, JoJo had with uh, Elsa because if we're gonna get into spoilers, so prefacing spoilers here. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> You know, Elsa is the uh, the Jew, as as yep. she as JoJo dubs her, played by that, Thomas and McKenzie. Yes, she was great. She was fantastic, and she's being hidden by Scarlett Johansson, who Rosie. is JoJo's mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rosie, um, Rosie Betzla. It was their interactions though with JoJo, and like how Elsa's like trying to like inform him and like yeah. validate certain sort of. Re- ridiculous stereotypes <laughs> and you know how he sl- slowly starts to fall in love with her like yeah. it's it, it, it draws compassion yeah um it's it's it incredible sense. it made sense well because i think this entire movie centers around themes of him just wanting to belong right like he just wants somewhere to belong and so if that means that it's you know nazi germany like that's where he is, is that's where right. he lives he's in so, it. He's in so it. Yeah. if you're a little kid and there's a camp you can go to it doesn't matter who it's run by you're seven years old you don't know any better you want to belong with this camp and and you want to fight the the evil jew monsters right <laughs> like like it's, it's just one of those things that like saying it obviously sounds horrible but but when you're watching it and when you're witnessing it you're, you're right justin it kind of brings up that idea of understanding someone who just that's their life they didn't have necessarily uh and they don't really have a choice like at that age when you're raised and conditioned in that way 
that's just what you believe. But I think that's the that's like the whole heart of this film is focusing it on a child. Yeah. Um, and and how his perception is warped and how he is still has the ability within himself to change his perception. Yeah. Um, well, especially with his mother. And especially with Taika as like does such a good job as, as Hitler. Yeah. Um, and not not just Hitler, but like a seven year old's depiction of his hero version of Hitler. Right. Like well, a cartoon character yeah. of Hitler. I love that scene when he's putting on the posters and his hand is is rubbing the posters. And yeah. You see like an actual photo of Hitler yeah. Yeah. and then you see Taika's face and yeah. then you, it kind of goes back and forth, jump cuts it. It's 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 very smart. Visually, that was really cool. And I love that the advice that he's giving, because you usually imagine, I guess it's not always the case, but an imaginary friend would probably give you good advice. But all the advice that he's giving him is obviously the worst advice yeah. that can be given to a Absolutely. kid. Absolutely. Right? So. Yeah. But it, like he still does it in like a sweet, like Taika Waititi way. I'm not going to say <laughs> Hitler way because I don't know if Hitler was ever I'm, sweet like that. No, but. I, I, love, I love how he keeps, keeps offering him cigarettes. <laughs> And then at one point he's just like, he's like, would you stop offering me cigarettes? I am 10 years old. So, so good. good. Um, and, and also like just that foreshadowing of like him constantly telling him like, he's such a good looking young gentleman. Right. Mm. And you can tell that that's coming from inside of, of his, uh, himself, right. Of Jojo's. So when he, when that, you know, spoilers, but when, when that certain thing happens to him, um, that's why it kind of hits him so hard. Right. Um, and I, I just, I love, Scarlett Johansson in this yeah, she movie. Was so I was just going to say, she was amazing. Yeah. I she, fell in love with her in a way that just like, I've never seen her like this before. And she was so charming and just so I think that has lovely. a lot to do with the writing. Like the character mm-hmm. is so amazing. It's yes. like a, a wicked mom to watch on the screen, yeah. right? She's lovely. And so kudos on her for bringing that to life. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think that that's a hundred percent. Scarlett Johansson, this is her year, I think. Yeah. Like in terms of movies, like she's given some great performances, uh, not including Endgame, but (laughs) I think Endgame, she was good, but like she was, but like that's not to me shows her acting chops. It's a film like this and a film I'm going to talk about later. Um, But that being said, her story and how, how performative she was with her acting, like she was very like, it was like she was acting on a stage. Yeah. uh, The way she interacted with Jojo. I love when, you know, she, she pretends to be the dad. Grabs the jacket, smears the yeah. smears the stuff, right, on and her does face. like the half and half, like yeah. back and forth. forth. Yeah, and it's almost just to show this sort of dichotomy between you know a mother and father yeah. perspective. And um, she has both of those; like yeah. she can handle herself. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't like this is my number two. Um, before I get to my number three, which we've also <laughs> also already talked about, um, but but the if, you know if you haven't seen this movie yet do yourself a favor find this movie in yes. any way you possibly can well that's this was one of the ones it. i had to find online yeah. and struggled and i found a stream yeah. now you can find a download no problem yeah. but like had to find a stream and yeah. just watch it because i i really wanted it in my system for this for this review because i knew based on i was a huge fan you're of, a huge fan of taika waititi but i'm a huge fan of also like the hunt of the wilder people yeah. which I, I think this kind of correlates in some ways yeah, you know a little bit the idea of well just not the idea of a child but the journey of that child yes. and and how the life influences the child mm-hmm. um and and their ability to go beyond that to to to, to break out of that so yeah. um yeah this I, I think i think taika sees the world in a very fun and unique and while he's brilliant, yeah. he's also got that youthful just sort of way of looking at things yeah, and, and showing a, them. But not in a way that is is too imaginary. Like, not in a way that's too imaginary, but, like, 
still real, still grounded in reality. Oh, big time, right? big time. Um, yeah. And and like the the balance of comedy and sadness in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, and the visuals of Germany, like yeah. just look gorgeous. Yeah. Like the cinematography is really good in this movie. Um, this beat out Thor Ragnarok as my favorite Taika Waititi movie. Oh nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, it, you're right. The the balance of comedy, tragedy, drama, just it helps carry the yeah. whole movie and gives you all of those sort of those feelings all at once. It's it was so well done. I, I love the little nods. And I, I again, I guess we're getting into spoiler, but with the reference to the shoes. Yeah. And then, you know, that, oh. that dramatic scene oh. um, that definitely brought tears to my eyes and just how it how it happened so abruptly. And then you just you kind of you just kind of clue in at the same time that he clues in. It's just. Yeah. It was it was really and well done. And then he done. tries to tie them. I know. Oh, you're yeah. like a crash. Yeah. Um, cool. So that is your number. That's my number three. Three. Um, my number three um, was Knives Out. Uh, this is directed by Ryan Johnson, uh, who directed The Last Jedi. I and- swear <laughs> to God. If you stop, um, you got to stop comparing that movie to this. They're just so similar. They're- no, um, <laughs> I'm joking. They're not. Um, this movie was not what I was expecting at all. Um, going into it, like I thought it was going to be dark and dramatic. And it was It was just, again, we brought it up a million times. It was fun. I'm not going to dive too much into it. Um, I just want to say like really quick, like, I love how the movie is written like the books that the one of the main characters is yeah, writing, the father, right? Yeah, the, the father, father is yeah. writing. Um, and it's just so cool how they just, that meta narrative there. Um, there's so much that we, we gushed about in, in our review for this movie. So if you missed our review, definitely catch it in one of our uh, previous episodes. Um, but yes, um, I love I love this that movie. And um, lastly, like that visual bookmark at the beginning and the end of the movie was With just, the mug. Yeah. Uh, it was so like, uh, I don't know. It just made me feel great. Um, uh, Kevin, what is your number two? Uh, it's a it's a new movie. We haven't talked about it. Okay. Just kidding. We just talked about it. Uh, my number two uh, was Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Um, so I won't go into it because uh, we've already had a nice little discussion about it. But as a big Taika Waititi fan, I was like, I have to see this thing before we make our lists. And I when was, did you watch it? Uh, today. Oh, today. There and you go. I was so, so happy. Um. Uh, I made a whole bunch of people sit around and watch it. And I was like, we're watching this. And it was just, it was what I wanted. And it was lovely. And um, I think What We Do in the Shadows is still my favorite. Oh, yeah? Type really? Of I love over, that. over JoJo. Yeah, I love that movie. Because it's it's like the best comedy maybe I've ever seen. It's yes. brilliant in that regard. Yeah. But this brings comedy, heart. Yeah. Great performances. Really lovely characters. Yeah. Um, even just like little jokes. Like, I don't think Alfie Allen says a line in the movie. He's just sort of there beside right. Sam Rockwell the oh, no, whole he says, time. He says a couple he lines. He says a couple uh, things but, but they're very... that insinuate to their relationship. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what he does, yeah. which is really funny, is is when Sam Rockwell is standing in like their big office and he goes, when I said German shepherds, I meant dogs, not actual German shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> There's just shepherds, <laughs> German shepherd men standing there. Yeah. So funny. Fantastic. I think it's a super Taika Waititi movie, but it's also enjoyed by people who might not usually get his style yeah like it's approachable yes, i think yes, in that I way i told my mom to watch it and i wouldn't yeah. tell her to watch like hunt for the wilder people or uh, what we do in the shadows right, right? like yeah. she's a very much a big sap like i am and right cries, it's a very movies. very it's just a sweet so, movie yeah. there's the the hints of the taika humor throughout yes. the whole thing but yes. in an in an approachable way so yeah. i thought it was a really cool cool thing to see have you guys seen uh hunt for the wilder people yes Yes. okay cool yeah i i thought like this aesthetically felt very similar to to that and just kind of like this like 
nuance of Wes Anderson mm-hmm. to it. You yeah, know I what think mean? when the Very trailers, stylized when the trailers and, for and this directed. first drop, people were like, oh, Taika Waititi is releasing a Wes Anderson movie, <laughs> right? So yeah, I think that comparison definitely yeah. holds weight. Cool. Well, let's go into Justin. What is your number two? Oh yeah, my number two. Kevin's Uh-oh. already Kevin's, Kevin's already upset. rolling oh, no, his eyes. Now, no, now we're getting into the snobby stuff. <laughs> well, I know. Okay, it. All so... right, Kevin's getting combustible. He's the combustible. He's critic. gonna blow. There he goes. Doot, doot. Uh, so my number two is the Marriage Story, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, written and directed by Noah Baumbach, who's done a whole bunch of great stuff. He did Greenberg. Um, he did The Squid and the Whale, which was really really fun. Very kind of like. Taika Wes Anderson. Heard about that one? Yeah, yeah it's a, it's very well done. Um, the marriage story focuses on the turmoil of separation and dealing with the transition it has emotionally, and trying to keep things together for your for the sake of your your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is incredible. The film is less about the arguing and more about the process from mm-hmm. a legal standpoint. Hmm. So it gets messy. Yeah, it gets messy. It brings yeah. the worst out of people. It's like a behind the scenes, if you will. Uh, for the most part of the movie, when Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are together, um, they are seen very civil. You yeah. know, they're they're seen they're getting along. You know, they, they there's no arguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is that there is this one scene where they actually do really get into it, and it's probably some of the best acting I have seen two really? people do. It was it was so raw. It was it was it was real. Kudos to both of them because what they brought to their characters and you know it, it, it also has like this nuance of of you know career lives. Yeah. What's important to each. Mm. You know, and, and trying to balance that with a marriage and how that might create and that separation and a kid. Um and making things, you know, just trying to make it work. Yeah. Right. And it it, it would be seen as, as very depressing. It it I guess it can't. It's a it's a depressing topic. Um, Kevin's like, I'm but it, it ends out. it ends on a very nice like it ends on a nice note where yeah. I think overall it's just this idea that um, no matter what you'll be able to make it work. Yeah, right. So it's I don't cool. Know. This I, movie I, I is like my it. hell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take something really depressing that could happen in somebody's lives. Yeah. And show it to you for two hours. But, nope, that's not why I do movies, man. Sure, I I do movies to escape fair. real life, not to in, like watch just real life crap. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I also think I also the, think, the more I hear about this, the the more I know I don't want to see it. But but I, but I also think that this kind of again coming back to the Scorsese quote about the you know the difference between like you know the Hollywood movies and maybe cinema. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Something like this tends to tackle more uh, to Kevin's point a real thing that not many people know the ins and out of and not many people want to talk about right but at the same time does it need to be talked about but at the same time hey did your parents get divorced no well watch this and you'll feel like they did like no thank you (laughs) but I think I think too Kevin like I think the idea is that how can we explore these topics that people don't want to talk about I I think the idea that films or that that cinema uh, or, or Hollywood movies always have to be entertainment um, I don't think is absolutely true. Oh, they certainly don't have to. Right. But it's what I want. What them. you prefer. For and sure. and yeah. everybody takes something different yep. from. And so I can I can completely understand Just why. Just like with Joker. Performances yeah. and the emotions that a movie like this would bring out are something 
people can enjoy exactly. from cinema yeah. and just not me that's not, not gonna make yeah, your top and to five. his point Ooh. and to his point it, it, that's what i found entertaining you know just mm. just just that that realness to everything so yeah. um yeah that's my number two marriage story there you go i definitely want to check it out i i can't wait to cry uh my number two uh we've already talked about jojo rabbit um i'm gonna jump into my number one okay and then i think uh have we talked about either of your number ones yet no no okay so we'll I want to kind of end with one of your number ones, whichever sure. guys you guys want to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number one was for 2019. My number one movie of 2019 was Avengers Endgame. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Directed by Joe and Anthony Rousseau. Like, this is the best superhero movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it's a story of loss, love, duty, honor, friendship, and family. And there's some jaw-dropping visual moments in the movie. Uh, the opening scene alone was where I knew that this was the best, like that moment with, with Hawkeye and just that opening alone was like, I'm like, this is the one, this is, this is, <laughs> this is it. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with this movie in my eyes. I didn't, I actually tried so hard, um, thinking about like what I didn't like about it and I couldn't think of a single thing. Um, it's, it's one of the few movies that they actually do time travel perfectly. I think I don't think there you know what I mean like I think time travel is one of those things that's not easy to nail down in a movie to make it understandable for a general well, audience I, like and that I mean they... you haven't seen Back to the Future so what do you know about time travel <laughs> in film in a movie huh? <laughs> um, no but I think I think the, the, their success in that regard yeah. is saying it's stupid and doesn't ever make sense now here we go yes. exactly you they know? make fun of that yeah. they yeah. make fun of the idea and I think that's very meta like yes and I think it opens up the audience well, it, and exactly to the, for the audience it opens it up for a general audience to yeah. sort of say like hey we know this is dumb uh, enjoy it and don't think too hard about it yeah, right? yeah I think and that's, what I I think that's more the, the not that it's dumb but like no. that it's just you know and that it's an but easy it's, plot because like it would be super fun, it would be super meta if they started digging in and all the characters like well isn't this just an easy solution to everything like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean like it, it, you know time travel but yeah. the idea that it it it's it's more approachable yes. and and the idea that you know it, it don't think about it just just go with it it's not overwritten you know what i yeah, mean like yeah, it's yeah. not they didn't they didn't do it too much to, to justify the point where, yeah to the point where people are like like a nerd could get out a giant spreadsheet and well, be like this well, is the exact coordinates yeah. yeah right like it's like no do, who cares just well, and, enjoy it and, have fun and yeah it serves as a, a minor plot device but i think the best part about it is the fun they have with it and yeah. going back yes. to that yeah. that first avengers movie and seeing it from a different perspective and everything yeah. like it all just works it so was, you don't even have to think about whether it makes sense or not yeah. it makes perfect sense in terms of fun and enjoyment so yes. that's all that matters yeah. I, I don't know if, i don't know if we said this or if i must have read it but it, it's literally the best representation of a greatest hits the way they use time travel to do a greatest hits yeah and to, and and to play back. commentary on themselves exactly absolutely it, it was it was hilarious and, and to see the sort of depiction of these characters at different times it, it yep. was awesome this is how you end a 22 mo movie uh saga or saga um <laughs> I haven't even said it in like weeks and you're still bringing it up. It's a phenomenal movie. It's the best Marvel movie in my opinion. It's my favorite. That is my number one movie of 2019. Very nice. I'm a fanboy. What can I say? Okay. Okay. So um, what is my, your number my one? My number one movie of the year. Favorite movie. My favorite movie, not just of this year, but in a long, 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 in long time. Of the decade, sure. Wow. <laughs> Maybe in my entire life. Um... And I'm going to go beat by beat here, break down the whole movie for you. Give me, excuse me for the next three and a half hours. If you'd like to cut to our previous episode, Kevin will do that for you. 
Uh, yes. So my favorite movie of the year. Um, I'm just so happy that I enjoyed it as much as I have three times now. It's 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 just the one. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. End of. What was what made this movie so special to you? Uh, you kind of mentioned it with Avengers in that it was a greatest hits, mm. and this really was like you, you remember every cool, awesome, lovely, wonderful, fun, scary moment from Star Wars. Yeah, let's do it all in one movie. In one movie for two and a half hours. Yeah, it's just for me, it was a perfect closure to you know thirty four years of my life. I know it's been forty, but you yeah. Know, I, and a lot of people are comparing it to Avengers Endgame, right? And then there's definitely some scenes that are definitely comparable to Avengers Endgame. Okay, maybe when the ships show right? up, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah the That's... Millennium Falcon says on your left, right? I... Um, <laughs> no, but but I, my question for you, uh, Kevin, is do you find that this movie, because its goal was not to set up the next series of Star Wars, right? So what like do you find those comparisons are fair to compare Endgame to... Rise of Skywalker, or do you find them unjust because they are so different? They're they're incredibly different. I mean, I guess it's hard not to compare them. Yeah, but I wasn't watching that movie going, "Well, that's like an Endgame, and sure. that's like Avengers." Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, I mean, I think they did the ships showing up better than Avengers did. Yeah, mm. in terms of the big Moment. here comes everybody. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was second. So, so I mean, Avengers still has that going for sure. that it was first. The first one but to do it, yeah. No, I. I don't know. I don't agree with any of the complaints about the movie. Yeah, you. I don't know. You made I, you that know. very clear during our review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I just, your. Can you just give us a bit of your your voice that you have of those people? Oh well, well the, this doesn't uh, make any sense for the whole saga. <laughs> Piss off. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I, you've got like a mouth brace or something, mouth guard in your mouth. I would say though that uh, Endgame closed it out better than Star Wars. I think so too. Okay, we'll be back after a brief fight. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Movie combat. No, I, I should bring that back. I that would be a good one, actually. Actually, yeah, that would. I be... love how much I love it, and nobody else loves right. it to my level. It's yeah. my movie, maybe. Maybe it's my movie. It's your Return of uh, the Jedi. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. Yeah. Part two. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Justin. What is your number one movie of 2019? Okay, so my number one movie I recently saw. Everyone, people at work. Uh, friends, family members, they've been saying, you know, you got to check out this movie. And I finally checked it out. And man, they were not lying. I was actually blown away at how much I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Um, it's Parasite. Parasite. Yep. By, this is by who? Bong, Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. Thank you for uh, not Korean, making me pronounce it. Korean filmmaker. <laughs> um, he He's done some really great stuff. I, I think most people would know him from Host. The host yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or, and, or Snowpiercer. And he's also Parasite. done Okja. Yep. Um, and he, he has, you know, he, he tends to write and direct. Um, so this, this film is, is written and directed by him. Uh, mm-hmm. Quick overview. The story revolves around a poor family called the Kims who con their way into a super rich family called the Parks. The film is, is loaded social critique. It's just mm. loaded with that. Yeah. Uh, dealing with issues of class structure, climate change, even to a certain degree, uh, which is a common topic for the director. The <coughs> representation of two different lifestyles, uh, the super rich live in the hills, the poor literally live below the streets or just, just enough that they can get some light. Yeah. Um, the depiction of the super rich park family is juxtaposed with that of this super poor family mm-hmm. as they slowly infiltrate into this this family which like a parasite yeah well so you know the name itself you know parasite refers obviously to multiple aspects of this mm-hmm. film um there's obviously the kim family yep. who slowly work their way in yep. um 
there's also another element that's already existing. Won't spoil that. We won't spoil no. that. Um, but the parks are probably the biggest parasites. Um, mm. They leech on the labor and desperation of, of their workers and the people that they hire mm. uh, without giving much back. Um, yeah. Now that you mention it, like there's, there's moments throughout this movie where, where it's, it's, it's done in a subtle way that, that you don't recognize it till near, I'd say near the end of the movie of, of how much they actually are just the worst. But yeah. so, but so you've seen this. I watched it today. Okay. And it didn't make your top five. It did not make my top five. Because anybody I've talked to yeah. who has seen it, this is their one or two, number one or two. It's just apparently I'm, this good. Well, yeah. I am, I'm also just surprised because it is, it's a film entirely in subtitles. Yes. And I, like, and, usually, and he has a hard time reading. Well, I, <laughs> no. So like I, I do, I do have a hard time reading and, yeah. and, um, I think the what was beneficial is being able to go back and watch a couple scenes mm-hmm. where I just really wanted to to soak in some of that. Um, but to to be a subtitled film and to be on my top, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised. Yeah. Um, and I was blown away. It, there was there was some there was a great balance between some comedic moments and some raw like moments between the families. Yeah. That felt so real. Like it, it just it felt so natural. I think the uh, the chemistry between the family members themselves was the reason that like a half an hour in, it stopped feeling like I was reading subtitles. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm like you, Justin. Like I don't really like subtitle movies myself. So like going into this, I was like, I don't know if this is even going to be. Again, this this made it up there. It's in my top ten, but it, it didn't break my top five. But but I do think like that the chemistry that that family has is so endearing and also just like it's they're they're just so well they're also like cool they're they're, i guess they're they're cool but they're also like they're they're working they're working these people right like they're hustling yeah um and you know the, the the film overall though just to me you know when we talk about things like cinema and 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 all that this is kind of like that example of it in my mind something that kind of takes little pieces of what's going on in the world and tries to fit it into a film as more of a commentary mm-hmm. um some sort of message behind it yeah um, like we've been talking about yeah exactly yeah. and like that's part of the reason why in many cases my number two is marriage story um but yeah i i i like i was surprised that i really really enjoyed it and, and it's not that i don't like subtitle films i do like subtitle films it's just that i personally have i I have a learning disability where it's hard for me to read and and do that. So. Oh, now we sound like jerks. Well, yeah, I was just do. I was just poking no, fun I, for. I, I do, I, I do. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's fine. But that I I do struggle with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it, so. it just I think it um, goes to show how powerful and good this movie is that you were so connected to it. I, despite I was, it was I was blown away at how connected I felt to mm-hmm. it and just like how just drawn into it right like at the beginning i was like okay you know what i mean but then as it starts to evolve and you see the cons start to happen then you're kind of like okay it felt very oceansy at times yeah which um, i was not expecting at yeah. all for for, for me oh, to go into this movie you're and, swaying me and, now like i'll say this kevin for a movie that does have this much meta commentary on classism and and having that message behind it like we've been talking about with some of these other films it's not like it's not like Joker or a Marriage Story in a way that it makes you sad in in a way. There there are elements to it that are upsetting, but like there's also a lot of fun. Yeah. See, I movie. didn't know this movie had fun. I would say I, yeah. I would say that it, it's it's almost it, you have to obviously uh, interpret the fact that it is through a different culture's eyes as well. Yeah, of course. So of course, um, yeah. so for that that's a huge part. But I also think like if you could think of like Ocean's Eleven meets like a Tarantino film. Yes. Because that ending has a very interesting sort of Tarantino yeah, aspect to without it. spoiling it but yeah yes. so yeah. You know, interesting yeah. yeah so I definitely I definitely think 
worth checking out. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it's my number one on my top five of 2019. There you go. Whether I check it out or not, I think it's going to be interesting based on how much people have really connected to it, whether it's going to get any love at the Oscars. It mm. will probably... Um, I, you know, I, think, I guess I guess it'll get Best Foreign best Film. Foreign get best but foreign will it film. also get nominated for just Best Picture? But you see, like, they never it, do that, right? Like, they never seem to put a foreign film... But in, didn't Roma, they with um, the one on Netflix a couple Roma years ago? Roma with but the black and white it, it was on both right if they could give a if they could give an award for best family in a movie like like the, the thing that the, the only problem I have like best foreign film I can totally see any any one of these specific actors I don't think had a standout performance I think the they the obviously up. the main characters were I think better acting than than the than the parks yeah. um, but I don't think any of them all of them were great. None of them, one of them, didn't stand out above the yeah, other. Yeah, no one, right? no one was outacting the other. Yeah, they, it was, it was a collective acting uh, uh, camaraderie. Right, nice. there's that word. Uh, why don't we quickly uh, recap our list? Yes. So Just... my number five is Joker. Uh, my number four, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Number three, Knives Out. Number two, Jojo Rabbit. Go see it. And number one, Avengers Endgame. Go see that movie. It needs some love, too. Nobody's watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, your list. Uh, yeah, my number five was Knives Out. Uh, my number four was Uncut Gems. Um, my number three was Jojo Rabbit. My number two was The Marriage Story. And my number one is Parasite. There you go. Uh, I think I think it's clear Justin is a film guy. Yeah. And I am a movie guy. Yes. And I'm a bit of both. These are my top five <laughs> movies of the year. Cool. Because I don't watch films. <laughs> Poor um, Scorsese's so upset right now. Scorsese, well, if you're listening, I'm so sorry about that. Why don't you go make another three and a half hour long movie that <laughs> I'm not going to watch? Irishman <laughs> did not make my top five. Or yeah. maybe he should make a three and a half hour podcast like we did. <laughs> um, Kevin, your list. Uh, Avengers, Endgame, Toy Story 4, Knives Out, Jojo Rabbit, and the greatest movie of all time, Rise of Skywalker. Wow. Wow. Of all time. It's not the greatest movie of all time, <laughs> but boy, do I love it. Well, that has been our topic of the show. This is the last topic of the show of 2019, uh, and those have been our top movies of 2019. Um, but just before we get into our watch club, guys, are you guys stoked for, you know, we just finished talking about 2019. What, what movies are you guys stoked to see in 2020? Anything, uh, anything catching your eye? I think it's, I think it's kind of a weird feeling I have right now in yeah. that last year represented so many things ending or, or closure to like yeah. such important, long standing pieces of, of cinema, right? Yeah. You know, between Star Wars and, and Marvel. Yeah. What is the next big thing. movie event? I mean, mm. there's some big movies coming out. Yeah. I think Bond looks awesome. But what is that like what's the next it might be years before there's a next yeah. big yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean if Ghostbusters Afterlife, maybe I know you're not too hot on it. Um, <laughs> Which I can't believe, but I just that I just trailer don't think we've seen nothing. enough. Yeah. I don't think we've seen enough. For me, I think the the big film event of next year is Tenet. Yeah, me like, too. Like, yeah. holy moly. Did you guys see that trailer? Yes. Yeah, yeah Tenet, uh, that's my, that's the movie I'm looking most forward to for 2020. I'm a huge Nolan fan to a certain degree. There's certain yeah. films that I, I have problems with, Yeah, but I think he is such a, a, a wise storyteller. Yes. And he, he really knows how to use film mm -hmm. and, and, that medium to tell the stories that he wants, yep. right? Because he started as a, as a writer, as just a writer, and mm -hmm. to transition to looking at 
the visuals as being able to write the story that he's written. It's it's he's he's very talented. He's so phenomenal. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Um, I can't. Wait I'm looking for... forward to that Bond movie too. That yes. Bond movie. I, I think Bond. I'm no looks... time to die. Awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to that Bond movie. I'm also stoked for Antlers. I think that's going to be oh yes. one we talked yeah, about yeah. that on the oh. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin's not going to watch it with Hell me. Hell no. Um, and then on the Disney front, you got live M- action Mulan. Mulan. Yeah, oh. Mulan. I'm I'm stoked for that. Let's and then, go. And Marvel. We yeah. Like that. I can't believe how excited I am right? for that, considering where I was. And we're watching the first trailer, right? Sure. Like, let's do it. I think I honestly think though that's what's going to happen with Ghostbusters. You're going to get another trailer, Kevin, and then you're going to be yeah. like, so. Be, oh, yeah. I haven't I haven't written it off. Well, it's coming up on a future trailer time. Yeah. I'm also super stoked for Marvel's next movie uh the eternals well it's not their next movie i guess they have isn't black widow gonna be the next one black widow's the next one yes but i'm excited you're more for excited eternals. for eternals we yeah. haven't seen a trailer yet the eternals i i'm um, i'm just yeah, i'm excited not coming to out see... next year is it yeah, yeah it is but getting is to see, november getting to see kumal jacked Did yeah you guys see his he arms? got ripped yeah yeah, he got, <laughs> yeah but he his whole he's body huge yeah, in that last massive. season of of it like of uh, he was really beefy Silicon and i was like man did, did he put on some yeah. muscle or something and then you well, they, and now posted, i understand why he posted a photo awesome. on twitter of yeah. him just completely oh, it blew, up. It yeah. blew up it blew up yeah. just to, like the body cool. change that caption that he kind of said like trust me this is not normal this would not be possible i loved I it help right? loved that like, that's yeah. cool yeah. so that honest kind of that out. you know yeah yeah um and then the the last one i want to quickly mention soul i just can't wait to cry oh, yeah. another pixar movie i'm looking forward to that so much more than their other one that's coming out what's that other one with oh the, yeah the, um oh, oh the troll is, one the troll one yeah <laughs> yeah obviously we're not looking forward to it and not trolls world tour <laughs> Which is also coming is out next year. Yeah. Oh, onward. onward, onward, yes, onward. Yeah. I, mean, I think that might surprise us. I hope so. We'll Be- see. But it's I've, I'm underwhelmed. Yeah. You know what? One really surprised me that I cannot wait for mm. is uh, Top Gun Two. Yeah, I got to go watch w- the first one well, now. Yes, me too. I've never watched. Top I've never Gun. seen it. And, I just know uh, they play volleyball. I was worried that if I had admitted that to you guys, would have been really upset with me. No, that's one of my shameful. You haven't seen yeah, Top Gun, yeah. yeah. Um, but that trailer in IMAX, holy! Wicked. My dad was like, "We're seeing that." Yeah, like that's no no doubt about it. Um, so yes, we cannot wait to see all these movies in 2020. But we've got one last thing to wrap up before we move into the new year, and that is our Watch Club. All right, so uh, I know it's been a little bit of a, a break, but you know, from our last Watch Club, um, but we're going to take on a, a little bit of a bigger task this week with our Mandalorian in review Watch Club series. Uh, we are going to end off uh, 2019 by talking about uh, the Mandalorian chapter six, seven, and our season one finale chapter eight. Uh, so let's start with chapter six, The Prisoner, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Um, guys, what uh, what did you what did you did you guys enjoy this? What were your overall thoughts on chapter six? I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I definitely think after what we talked about in episode, episode five, five and how it was, it felt like a filler episode. And I personally just wasn't sold with the acting. Yeah, um, from our you know rookie bounty hunter in episode five. Yes, um, this was another filler episode, but it, it just did it better. Yes, and I think that the overall casting, even though the characters like. Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. Um, who was the character that played the alien um, that was... Uh, she's from Harry Potter. Um, Tonks, yeah. Tonks, yeah. She plays Tonks. Uh, 
Uh, Natalie Tenna. Uh, Natalia Tenner? Is that? Yes, sir. Natalia Tenna. Yeah. yeah, she plays Tonks. Or she's also in uh, Game of Thrones. Right. Yes, right? yes, yeah, yes, yes. that wildling girl. Um, but the idea that you can cast people that are known, but like they might not serve a very big purpose to the story. And, yeah. you know, they're just going to be, you know, we obviously see how that episode ends. You know, yep. they could come back. But the idea that, you know, they were just, they were well-known actors that did their job in this role and they did a, a pretty good job. Even the unknown actor who played the brother of... Um, of Cheyenne. Cheyenne, yep. yeah. Who who was a little over the top, but at least like he, he leaned into it. He acted, yeah. whereas the other guy the, I thought, was, thought was just like, he was just such a bad actor. <laughs> right. I think looking back at episode five and Kevin's just like shaking his head this entire time. Looking back at episode five and and uh, and we got into a bit of a, a heated discussion uh, on that one. I, I do think like... I was more upset looking back at it at, again, the acting than the fact that it was a filler, I guess. Like, this was the way that if you're going to do a filler episode, this is how you do a filler episode. Really? The- eh? So you guys don't like a cool Star Wars story on Tatooine, but you're going to go to prison with Bill Burr chomping scenery with a Boston accent and this is better Star Wars okie doke everyone I hated this episode with a passion really it was terrible combustible just terrible finally I got to I have wanted to poop on this episode for weeks it sucked really it was terrible I don't know man like I I thought the there were some really cool lines like some really like wonderful like throwaway lines like um like Canto I wasn't bite. I, or like yeah he's like he's like the razor crest looks like a canto bite slot machine yeah. or like I think one of the characters says to Mando uh, he's a he's a former imperial sharpshooter and uh, and Mando says that's not saying much and then he's like I wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass <laughs> <laughs> like I love I love I actually like that Bill Burr was Bill Burr in this episode it I don't want Boston to be in my st- you don't think Boston's a planet of in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I mean, have you been to Boston? It's, it, it's Bean Town. You know, yeah, it's terrible. I, um, I, I also like the line that uh, when Bill Burr is like is is uh, harassing Mando. He yes. says, why, why, "Why won't you take your helmet off? What are you, you, you gun getting out yeah, of there? You're still gonna be upset or something like <laughs> yeah, that." Yeah, yeah, he does the accent. Yeah, he does. I don't know. Like, really? So you didn't like the fan service in episode five, but now we're talking about Cantobite. And and Gungans, and you're like, yeah, that's the kind of Star so, Wars reference I, I, I want in add, my show. <laughs> I want to add clarity. I I personally had no problem with the fan service in episode five. I had no problem with it. I had a problem with that acting, though. That acting took me yeah, sure. so far out. So, so let's get a sexy stripper Twi'lek okay. prison. That guy was the weakest part of this it episode was for awful. sure. Awful. Um, yeah. And if you're gonna and if you're gonna take a, a character, you know, that you see in the background of the cantina, let's do yeah. the devil looking one. I cool. Liked, listen, I like Clancy Brown. I playing, like him. I hated him in he this. He kind of looked like Mr. Krabs. Yeah, it was and cool. that's who he's he plays giant, in yeah. SpongeBob. Yeah. Um, Zero the Droid, played by Richard Ayode. Ayode. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, I thought he was. I thought he was serviceable. I thought the scene with him and Baby I thought it Yoda was Taika. I thought was, it was Taika. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I, I guess they have a similar sounding robot voice, but um, well, but both I, from New I thought like the the sort of Home Alone style scene of him, you know, Baby Yoda sneaking around the the uh, the Razor Crest was really good with them. Um, I did think that the hissing was a little weird from from Cheyenne, um, who again was played by Asha. Which time the 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 sixth or seventh time she <laughs> was, just randomly it, for no reason was, did it. it. Was a little weird because I, I don't necessarily know even from Clone Wars and Rebels that that they're known like that they're actually known for hissing, um, which was kind of weird. But uh, 
I, I gotta say though, this episode's music was so cool and very different for the series. Like it was like it, there were mixes of like electronic and then also like horror sounds at times. Uh, so again, big shout out. I know I've said it many times, but big shout out to Ludwig Göransson uh, for his his score on this one. Yeah, I, I dubbed this one the uh, Suicide Squad episode just because it was like you know a team of misfits coming together. Yeah. Um, I thought it was well executed for a filler episode. It, it, you know, it, better than the one that was before. I think it. better than four as well. Like if we're four, if we're yeah. ranking them right. Um, I I liked uh, if you're talking about um, winks and nods to previous Star Wars. Um, Rio Durant is a character from Solo. Uh, he's an Ardenian or Ardenian, and uh, that's actually the character that's played by Johnny Favs in Solo. Um, he does the voice for him. So to see an Ardenian in the one of the cells was yeah. kind of neat to kind of have that little callback, especially because it's John, John Favreau, right? That's right? So let's talk about that moment where he takes out all those droids at once in that hallway. Like, we've been talking a lot about how he's kind of not really shown his his skill as a as a Mandalorian. It's like, why, how is, why is everyone so thinking this guy's so wonderful when he's not that great at fighting and then this moment came out and i thought that was super awesome what'd you guys think yeah it was dope yeah Yeah, it was cool i liked him running around i mean i'm kind of tired of him getting shot a million times but it shows how strong his beskar armor is i know but it's like literal plot armor you know (laughs) i think you mentioned that before um we meet a new republic officer named davin uh, who's actually played by matt lanter who voices anakin in the clone wars yeah which was kind of a neat little little way to sneak him in um i i thought the uh justin did you have any other moments that you enjoyed from this episode um i thought the acting was a lot better yeah in this one overall just you know even even in the down. series as a whole in, in from, well, not, not, i would say from like our supporting cast yes yes from the supporting cast yeah. i think that's that's who i'm more referring to than anything else yeah um yeah, no, the acting by Quinn, it was a little over the top, but at least he like really leaned into it and didn't it didn't feel like some sort of new actor. Yeah. I I think like the um probably my favorite moment though uh, in the entire episode had to be the moment um on the ship when we see baby Yoda hold up his hand like Zero's there about to shoot him and Baby Yoda holds up his hand and then Mando shoots Zero in the back and you get that little like Baby Yoda just like looks at his hand like did I, did I just do that? <laughs> like it's so cute and it kind of really drives home that Yoda character like Yoda's aspects of that character um, which I thought was just fantastic um, and then ending the the episode getting to see the the three directors uh, as the X-Wing pilots at yeah, the end that was we cool. had that was a cool Dave Filoni um, who played Trapper Wolf. He's very much into wolves, apparently. Um, and then Rick Famuyiwa and Deborah Chow. Uh, was super cool to see them in the, in, the, in the show. Yeah, it was great. Overall, I think this episode was the most original and entertaining uh, episode of the series. Keep in mind, I wrote that um, when I just had watched that and hadn't watched the other two that we're about to talk about. So that might be changing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it had the best supporting cast so far. Um, I give it eight Ardenian thumbs out of 10. Mm-hmm. Kevin, how many Ardenian thumbs do you give it? One. That episode was god-awful. Ooh. Boy, do we watch things differently, guys. <laughs> Apparently. Like, you're talking about bad acting. This was full of scenery-chewing crap. <laughs> it was so charactery and cheesy. I really didn't like really? it. I thought it was so fun. Yeah, I would give I thought it... it was fun and like how Knives Out was fun. Justin, go ahead. I, <laughs> I would give it uh, seven Ardenian thumbs. Okay. 
Not bad. Out of 10? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. All right. Well, let's move into chapter seven, uh, The Reckoning. This was directed by episode three director, Deborah Chow. Girl knows how to direct action, man. Right? She does it really well. And how cool is it that she's going to be directing the uh, Obi-Wan the series? Obi-Wan series. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, seeing uh, Cara Dune at the beginning of the episode fighting a Zabrik warrior. Um, Zabriks, by the way, are the like Darth Maul species, right? So you saw that big guy. Right. And I loved how they were like tethered together. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, and to see an MMA fighter actually fight MMA style, um, obviously they're, they're using her for her strengths, which <laughs> might not be... Her acting as much, but her fighting, phenomenal. Hmm. Guys, what did you guys think about this episode? Uh, I, I really liked it. I think it was the first step into a big, full story. Yeah. it was Because of how it ended and because we're sort of expanding now, I think mm-hmm. we're finally past the episode-by-episode stories and maybe moving into something that arcs a little bit more. Yeah. That was the most promising thing I got A lot of that. people are considering this to be the third episode in the series. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's and that and that makes sense because I think if you were to watch the ones that were very relevant to the, the arc of the story, I'm sure those flow a little bit better yeah. than some of these filler episodes that have been placed in uh, to kind of take us. But yeah, I think this was kind of like the beginning to the closure that I, I was looking for yeah. in terms of like the narrative yep. arc that they're going with. Um, so I think this was a, an awesome first step. I love that, you know, in the beginning he's going around and, and recruiting his team. Yeah, it's the um, Avengers bring, sort of, yeah. you know, Nick, uh, Nick, Fury. I said I almost said Nate, Nick Cage. <laughs> I mean Nick Fury <laughs> Nick Fury moment right going around and collecting all of them right. uh, it was great to see Quill back again right uh, happy to see IG-11 this time mm-hmm. reprogrammed yeah that was a cool that was a cool little uh, like little realization that yeah so he was we all kind of thought that he would somehow come back yeah I just figured maybe it would be IG-12 or something I didn't right. realize they'd bring him back like, as, as the, as the, the actual the same, same yeah. robot yeah, yeah and I, I think they give a good setup precedence for you know the new programming that he has yep. and how he's built for good and yep. all these sort of things. And I think it's cool because like, and we'll be talking about this in the next one, but um, just how it, how this character is really there to develop uh, Mando's relationship with droids, right? Like he's the antithesis to where Mando is like, he hates droids. Yes. And so this is, this is the way that we can kind of change that. So this is, the um, way. this is the way um, um, when baby Yoda force chokes Cara Dune, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit freaky. Yeah, it was freaky. Is he like dark siding there? Well, I think it was more or less the idea that it was about time that other people started seeing what baby Yoda or the child is capable of. Yeah. So, you know, um, in a moment of tension where he, where the child thinks that, you know, Mando is being harmed, he was at his defense, um, which I just goes, goes to show that sort of parental sort of relationship, like the father, son, child sort of relationship that he has. Um, but I thought it was really cool though, that like there was other revelations, you know, when, um, they're out battling. What was that thing? Oh, Dude. those dragon creatures, bat yeah. creatures. They could be giant Minox. I'm not sure. Um, but well, that's a cool thing, right? Maybe, maybe they've got bigger Minox on Navarro, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but when they were in that battle and uh, Grief Karga yeah. got hit by one yes. of those things or like scraped or whatever. Yeah. And then you, Baby Yoda does the force heal and everyone's just like watching in amazement. Yeah. Right? Like, what is this thing? Like, they're starting to clue in to where the audience is. It's like, what? is this yeah, thing you yeah. know what i mean 
He's magic. So I thought that was cool. I thought that was cool. Yeah. And I think like the, it's a cool way to bring in the force, right? Through that character. Right. Um, and, you know, we, it was cool. The, it was a cool way to introduce that aspect of the force to the general audience. We talked a little bit about this on our review for, for The Rise of Skywalker as that movie may have uh, some force healing in it. Right. So, Kevin, d- did you enjoy Baby Yoda force healing Grief Karga? Um, I accepted it. Yeah. And I think this was a smart way to do it. Yes. If you're going to show something new like this that yeah. could go either way with the fan base, yeah. do it through Baby Yoda. Yes. And Everybody's going to be like, oh, okay, Baby Yoda heals, so I'm fine when Ray does it, <laughs> right? True. It was so yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it makes sense why it came out two days earlier and yep. everything, you know? And uh, I think, you know, especially for Grief Karga, for him to have that development for him to turn around. It's, it's kind of neat to sort of see, like, you know, Baby Yoda heals him and all of a sudden he... You know, he's like, I'm on board. Like, this thing is special. Uh, We have to take care of it. Yeah, it changes his perception about the whole situation. Because obviously, the reveal towards the end is that there was a plan to screw over Mando and and take the child from him. Yeah. Um, they kind of head into like a trap almost, right? Yes, like, yeah. And it's even funny because Cara Dune actually says the famous line, it's a trap, right? And I was like, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and that did not bother me um, like episode five. But, and then in, when we move into the scene with the uh, those bikers, we get to meet these relaxed um, oh, that biker was really scouts cool. or biker yeah. troopers. Uh, scout troopers, those guys were super cool. Um, we're so used to seeing like strict military behavior out of stormtroopers so to see these guys just sort of like relax and their armor's all dirty right it makes sense um, though because yeah. like the empire's gone right like they yeah. they're, they're just kind of filling in for whatever's left of the empire yes. right so it, you know their their relaxed nature and their sort of like demeanor it, it was refreshing yeah. uh, just to see that first shot as they're walking through those gates and just you see these two scouters just kind of like chilling like yeah. was, i was like oh that's unusual but yeah. and i think it, it i bet you there is a lot of waiting around Yes. You're you're just doing a lot of waiting around and standing around waiting for your next order and it's uh, yeah. it must be so boring. And so <laughs> they're just regular dudes having a chat, you know. Yeah. Which is cool though because again, we don't really get to see that out of the the you know, we see it a bit in the animated series, but we don't get to see it on big screens or on I guess on in real screens. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Um but yes, um I did think it was a little bit weird the I don't understand what their plan was, uh, even if there weren't a ton of stormtroopers there. Like when uh, when the client goes in and is like, I want to see the baby and, I'll, you know, everyone will be very quiet. It's OK that he's sleeping, um, you know, and then it's like there's no baby in the pram. So it's like, what was their plan? <laughs> like if that was to happen? Well, that yeah, I think that's where you started to see that like, oh, oh it's it's not going to work. This you is, know, this, this is, is a is terrible it. plan. This is a terrible like hundred stormtroopers. But if it, if it wasn't for the interruption that would have happened, yeah. then that you know it would have been a different situation, right? Yeah. So, um, but I think the plan was to try to do a sleight of hand kind of thing. Yes. Um, and and it kind of seemed like it could work, but they just didn't have all the variables, right? Mm-hmm. Like he said, like, oh, there's just a small amount of troopers guarding him, but well, there's a whole town of troopers yes by the looks of it so yeah. like he obviously doesn't have the right information and, and he's clearly not aware of what's going on yeah and then on top of that uh we get on top of the town of stormtroopers we get to meet the 501st uh they show up in uh, in a ship that apparently um is like a really famous toy from like the hasbro line of this like this troop carrier apparently people had it back in the day um but yeah so we get to see them all show up it was cool to see the 501st uh in this series because we knew that they were gonna gonna appear when we we went to star wars celebration and we heard that story about how they all were able to kind of be in the in the in the show um and then we get to meet uh one of the i think the 
I guess the main bad guy of this series uh, more than the client, uh, the guy that the client was always talking about. Um, we get to meet Moff Gideon uh, in this moment where he lands in that uh, that Tie Fighter, and it does that really awesome landing. And like Giancarlo Esposito is just he's just fantastic. Yeah, it's it was a great cliffhanger way to end the episode with his arrival and you know him being I guess aware that the, there was a plan here as I said sleight of hand kind of thing yeah and he was like you know you should check again yeah and then just starts blasting just out the all, place the whole room just decimated right and they were pinned down they were pinned down and that kind of left us in like well where is this gonna go and sure enough the episode wrapped yeah well actually there was one There's more one big more thing big thing that yeah. happened that i was i was really sad about it was sad it was really it was well sad. done right. in, in that it was sad yeah and so you know you got mando and he's like he's like come in come in he's like talking over the comm and he's trying to radio quill who's running back to the ship on a blurg uh with baby yoda in hand and uh and he's being chased by those two scout troopers and uh, and it just cuts to to you hear the the calm link or whatever that is going off, and you just see Quill lying on the ground, dead, with no baby Yoda and smoke coming up from his back, and it's just like I thought it was gonna be a fake out, like I thought I'm like there's no way there's a little like little like green like ear flapping on the ground and like in a little blanket, and you're like there's no way. I, I'm surprised IG88 wasn't in on those right? comm links and wasn't like outside waiting, like doing something like just to protect them. But no, it was literally they fly by, they scoop them up, and they put them in a bag, and then the episode ends. And I was I was a little gutted by that moment because I think Quill. I think Quill was such a, a, a just a lovely character and had such a, a rough life. You know what I mean? Like he describes it in one of the previous episodes, but he's just had such a terrible, terrible life. And then to have him end like this is just, I don't know. Yeah, but we, we needed, you know, Kevin has said this before, but we needed to know some stakes where, you know, there, there there's there's a potential he, he, for loss. Yeah. Yes. Like these, they can't be invincible forever. I do right. appreciate yeah. that, right? And, and I, it was, a, and, and to your point, it was a very you know, important character. Um, and to see him go, you know, that kind of set the bar for, okay, we've just lost a very quintessential character. You know, things are about to get real. Yeah. And, uh, and then it does get real. Um, but before we get into the finale of watch club and the finale of the Mandalorian, uh, and the finale of this, uh, podcast for season one, um, I just wanted to quickly, I'm going to rank chapter seven is up there with, you know, chapter three is one of my favorites so far. I give it nine dead Ugnaughts out of 10. (laughs) Rest in peace. That's a sad score, (laughs) scoring mechanism. But uh, yeah, it was excellent. Back on track. Yeah. Far more what I want out of this show. Right. Much better than than episode five, right? So better than five and six. Yes. I no, agree. In, in particularly, uh, I'm going to give it a 9.1 no Bill Burrs out of 10. <laughs> he was nowhere in the movie. He's in jail. Justin. Uh, I'll give it an 8.7 out of 10 dead Ugnaughts. Oh, rest in peace, buddy. We're yeah. going to miss you. You have spoken. Um, <laughs> moving into Chapter 8, Redemption. This is directed by Taika Waititi. Uh, we've talked so much about him on this podcast alone. Uh, we're huge fans, obviously, and rightly so, um, because I think this episode was the best episode of the season. I'd agree. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. You know, and I know it's the end, and like that's maybe that's why I feel that way, but like this episode felt like a movie. 
You know what I mean? Like it had all the elements that I was looking for. It was properly paced. It was proper. What, oh, such good pacing in the movie or in the episode. I keep saying it. <laughs> um, but I, let's talk about that opening uh, with the two stormtroopers that we just talked about. He tyka um, he tyka'd the hell out of that first six <laughs> minutes, didn't he? Right. It was like um, played by Adam Pally, who's from the Mindy Project, and yeah. uh, Jason Sudeikis from SNL. I don't yeah, know if yeah. you recognize his voice, yeah. um, but like. I kind of, at a certain point, I did think that it was a little bit too funny. Like it was. No, I loved it. Go if oh, you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna do this, good. do it. Yeah, no, it was great. I loved how they were like target practicing and they just sucked. Yeah, they couldn't hit that thing. Right, oh, it was awesome. They can't because yeah. they're stormtroopers. Yeah. I loved, um, and they didn't understand why. And, and, but the the best was you know Sedakis looking at the guy like, "Are you kidding me? Yeah. Let me do this." And then he like so well done. Yeah, at one point, good. I thought he was gonna take his helmet off and be like, "Live from Navarro, it's Saturday night." Like, um, but but like, he's he's maybe the most hated man on I the was internet say. now. If you want to become the most hated person on the internet, punch Baby Yoda in the head, <laughs> like in the eyes or something. I'm surprised he didn't have any like lasting brain damage. Well, maybe he did. We'll find out. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just like uh, when he's when Jason Sudeikis' character is like, I get the point. Do you get that point? Like in a world where the Empire is dead, the stormtroopers still do whatever they're told out of just sheer fear, right? Because they keep getting that radio back. Like, yeah, he's just killed, he's killed another officer. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't know. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Getting to see IG-11 show up and then just break his arm. <laughs> like, thankfully, he won't be able to hit Baby Yoda with it anymore. There we go. Um, that was, uh, oh, and he, he says that line, that was unpleasant. Sorry you had to see that. <laughs> it was like, that's so... Taika Waititi, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he just had reign over this whole, yeah. at least this whole scene, if we're going to kind of go off of that. Yeah, because it doesn't necessarily carry that funny, jokey tone throughout the rest. We get pretty right. No, but, serious, right? So I yes. like it. It was fun at the beginning yeah. and then... It was like and a I, cold open. Well, yeah, you know? it, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it just goes to show like his ability to, again, balance, you know, comedy with, you know, other elements, action in this one, obviously, a uh, little bit of drama, Yep. Um, you know, his ability to kind of weave you through those emotions is, is so really good. well done. Then we cut back to that that standoff that we left in episode seven, um, and uh, and they need to like they're they're trapped in there. There's a vent that they have to get out of. Very New Hope esque. Oh, of them, super right? trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah super yeah. trash compactory. Carrot <laughs> Carrot Dune. Uh, I think at one point mentions a mind flare. She says like they'll hook me up to a mind flare, which is a reference to probably the worst part of Rogue One. Yes, uh, with Bor Gullet. Um, but uh, but you know. Again, we get a better look at Gian, uh, Giancarlo Esposito's Moff Gideon, um, and uh, and I just thought he's like again he's just so as a character actor like I love him from Breaking Bad, but he's just so evil. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's so good at playing a bad guy. But I, and I love how like you know this this particular bad guy, this particular character is going to stand in the street and Shakespeare you. Yes, into like he, intimidation. Yeah. Right, you know? because they say there's that one line where they're like, yeah, one of the stormtroopers interrupted one of his like his speech or something like yeah, that. He was and then given. he killed him. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's but that's it. Like he he actually so exemplifies what the empire is about. Oh, 100%. Right? Like that sort of pride and that sort of you know, that hierarchy of position. Yeah, so. even, even not knowing that they've lost. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in this moment, like he's just, no, it's still going strong. He uh, he mentions Kara's for, uh, full name, Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderaan, which was uh, very interesting. You see why she hates the Empire so much. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then he names he name drops uh, Mando, which we kind of already knew because right. Pedro Pascal name dropped our Mando, Din Djarin. 
uh, in a, in an interview with like entertainment or something like that. Um, so uh, so we I already knew that, but when he he name dropped, like okay, Din Djarin, and you noticed how much they mentioned that name over and over yes. again in the episode. Um, and uh, he mentions the Night of a Thousand Tears, uh, which is a storyline that apparently they're going to cover in the next season of Clone Wars, uh, which is like the last season of the Clone Wars that they're they're putting out as like a, a, a thank you to fans, basically. Well, that's cool. Um, which was kind of neat. Um, he mentions distinguished dignitary grief karga so like what happened to grief karga that he went from a distinguished dignitary to this like guy that leads a, a, a bounty hunter you know group or whatever right so the mandalorian mentions that mandalore is not a race it's a creed it's a creed yeah, yeah. that was a big that was a big standout moment too just because of the fact that you know there's been so much around the idea of like it's a dying race right kind of like the jedis i guess to a certain degree so and he he says that line and then we get that flashback again but this time we get to see like the whole thing not just beats and and moments of it when that door opened up and you look he looked up how did you guys think it was jango fett like i looked at it and i was like is that jango fett because like the shape obviously it's i know it's mandalorian armor right and it all looks very similar but in that moment i was like that's Django Fett. Like that's how they bring Boba into the series. Um, but it was just a, a regular man. Just a, yeah, a nobody man. Yeah, yeah, it was just a nobody. And somebody and, online said it might have been from Death Watch. Uh, I don't know. I definitely was curious to see who the Mandalorian was, but then once it became very like, let's get this kid out of here, and it was just yeah, right. Was like, it was just like okay, he's obviously just a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It was a cool. Yeah, no, yeah. Like I was almost underwhelmed. We've been waiting eight yeah. episodes to, to see, see that who payoff. saved him, and it was just a Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. and like we already kind of. I guess you could have already guessed that. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, you already knew that. Yeah. The incredible moment, though, IG Eleven on the speeder bike with Baby Yoda, you know, um, strapped to his chest, a la like um, the babysitter or whatever, right? <laughs> and he's got those two blasters. Ah, oh. so cool. And even just the way, like you know, he twists the his body but keeps facing the same Incredible. way like it was cool it was cool it was yeah, didn't so he, good didn't he, he had him at the front and then he turned him around to his back right because yes. he was getting shot at I mean so. he was still putting this baby in danger the oh, whole yeah. time I, yeah it was like I was a little bit like that kind of goes against your your main yeah. protocol or whatever but uh, yes fantastic uh, cuts back to the the inside of you know the the holdout um, and you just see Grief Karga doing blue milk shots the entire time <laughs> yeah. um, and then they send in the flame trooper then we we get uh, another baby yoda moment um where the fire is coming in you get that beautiful visual shot of the flames like illuminating the t-shape on the front of uh dinjarn's helmet right armando's helmet and uh and then you just see baby yoda stand up two hands out and then he just deflects that fire and blasts that guy out of the building it was such a great like again it was a very uh, you know similar moment to with the uh the mud horn yeah. uh, in episode two yeah and then we we move into the moment where he's um, you know you've got he's been blasted and he's been shot and he's 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 dying. Din Djarin is dying, and uh, and he tells them all to leave and they all you know blast through the the vent and then they get through there and then you've just got IG Eleven and Din Djarin in this you know burning building and he needs to save him and uh, and he says um, he says you know no living thing has, has ever seen me without this helmet on or something or for a very long time or whatever and then you get that line I'm not a living thing and then boom helmet comes off what do you guys think of that payoff to see Pedro Pascal's face 
Yeah, it was never it was never something that I've been like, oh, I can't wait till we see his face. Really? Yeah, I know who he is. I know I, what Pedro I, looks like. Yeah. I thought it was Cara Dune that took the helmet off. Nope. IG-11. Yeah, it was oh, IG-11, yeah. yeah. And then he back to sprays him. Yeah, he oh, sprays him right. with a little bit that's of juice. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and then apparently he's fine. <laughs> well, he needed two hours to heal. Yeah. And then they go down and meet up. Like, were, were Cara Dune and them just standing in the tunnels For waiting? Hours? You know? No, I don't. I think there was. I don't know. I, I a little bit of suspension of disbelief there, yeah. but uh, I love that line. You have suffered damage to your central processing unit, and he's like, "You mean my brain?" He's like, "That was a joke. I, it was meant to put you at ease." Yeah. Um, again, such a Taika, Taika. moment. Right? Taika is held. Uh, yeah. Taika all the way, um, and then uh, and then yeah, and then they go down to the sewer. They see the pile of helmets. Um, all those Mandos are dead. Are they dead? I think that's I what that think means. They're dead. Well, they wouldn't be without their helmets, right? Yeah. They're mm. dead, and and I mean, but like, um, how did they get overrun by crappy imperial trooper? Like, I don't know. I, why? I'm, and I thought they were leaving. I thought they knew they had to go somewhere. Yeah, you know, there's a. I have a I few thought, questions about the fact that oh, they they just got killed. Yeah, they're dead. I I was thinking that they to obviously get out without being seen as Mandalorians. They abandoned all their armor so that they could escape cleanly. I didn't see mm. them as being dead. But I no, but it was she's, like, she yeah. goes on to explain that. Yeah, the armor. Yeah, the armor. That's yeah, right. She yeah. mentioned that a few of them made it off world, right? So, right. yeah, I don't think all of them died. Um, but, you know, and then... Um, and what's she doing? Just chilling down there she's still? Chilling, well, she was collecting the armor, yeah, right? Yeah. Kind of trying to salvage what was there. Um, and obviously, you know, Mandalorians are very... At least this group of Mandalorians are very proud... Uh, you, you know, individuals. So she, she definitely is, you know, making sure that doesn't fall into the wrong hands, right? That especially if any of them had Beskar on them or what have you. Um, but well, she, yeah, why didn't the Imperials take it if it's so valuable? Exactly, you right. know, yeah, yeah. It's it's a bit of a bit dicey there. Obviously, that moment was there to again give give uh, Pedro Pascal another phenomenal acting moment um, with the helmet on. Like he he you know he had it off for a second. He puts it back on, but even still, like that moment when he's like he's yelling at Grief Karga, like was this you? Like. I was just like, wow, like this guy's really good. And I'd love to see more without the helmet. Um, but, it, but you know, for the moment that he did have it on, I thought it was great. Um, and then, uh, and then the, the armor mentions Jedi, which was super cool. Like an ancient race of enemies who fought the, the Mandalorians. Um, and then she gives him his sigil. Did you guys think his sigil was going to be anything other than the mud horn? Like I thought it was going to be like a baby Yoda print or paw print or a baby Yoda like ear or something. I don't know. No, but I think that that's the moment that defines their relationship, right? Yeah. Because it was the moment that he kind of revealed what he was capable of, the child, and mm-hmm. and helped. Uh, well, and, and and going forward, this is his mission now right. is yeah, to exactly. protect the child, and so it is. It's, I, it's nice, yeah. It's it's fitting. Cool. Um, and I just love how much this is like, this whole series is uh, like a video game. Like there's side quests and there's like characters that you only see once and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then she gives him his upgrade. You know what I mean? Like he completed the quest. Congratulations. Here is your upgrade. She gives him a new jet pack. Um, and he, she asks, so, you know, are you trained in the rising Phoenix? Um, and, uh, and yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was kind of a neat yeah. moment there where he, he, he had mentioned, yes, he's used it before. Um, and then, uh, and then my fit, one of my favorite moments in like calling back to the old West style of things is when she says, um, now go down to the river and cross and cross the plains. And I'm just thinking like, okay, they're going to go down, down to the river and across the plains. <laughs> like it sounds so, you know, uh, old West, but then they get down to the river and it's a river of lava, right? Like it's so, it's such a good mix of old West and star Wars. Yeah. Um, right. And, uh, 
um, before we get to the lava scene, though, that fight sequence with the armor, like unbelievable. When she fights the all the stormtroopers right. come running in, she smashes a guy's helmet at one point, yeah, and then like incinerates another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it was good to see her actually do something. And they call back to that moment in New in A New Hope twice, once with the vent, and then the second time where Mando and Grief Karga are trying to push the boat into the lava, and it's all got this dried up lava on it. And <laughs> and Cara Dune's just like, okay, stand back. So it's, it was a very, you know, like Leia taking the blaster, t- you know, moment. Right, to right? open the, the yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, and, then, uh, and then, you know, again, another Taika moment. Watch your feet. And yeah, that astromech droid. Well, hey, have you ever wanted to know what R2-D2 <laughs> would look like with arms and legs? Here you that go. That was cool. Go. And it felt like they were on a gondola, like yes. in Venice, right? Like the thing was just like... Oh, <laughs> I was hoping he would start singing like that, that at one point. That would be so funny. Or whistling or whatever. Um, yeah, I was not expecting that astromech droid to stand up. It looks so weird. It looked like something I would have done if I had if I'd taken some broken Star Wars toys and like glued them together as a little kid. I, I tell you, that's going to be a Lego figure for sure. Oh, sure. I can't wait. A big one? Like a giant one? Let's do it. Well, let's go. maybe, but I think like even just a character. Even just, oh, please. Let's make it happen on the on the boat through the lava. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I love how much, you know, they're going down the lava and uh, it becomes a realization that IG-11 has to sacrifice himself, yeah, right? Because he, he does a scan and he recognizes that there are a fleet of stormtroopers just waiting at that, that exit. Yeah. So he needs to sacrifice himself. And it, it speaks to to Taika, I think, just as a just as a character himself. That like when this was happening, um, Din Djarin, who hates droids and hated this droid like a, a couple episodes ago, is all of a sudden like, no, like you you have to, we need you, like yes. no, like yeah. you can't die. We've already lost someone. We can't. or I guess he doesn't know that they lost Quill at this point, or no, he doesn't at this point. And then yeah, and then just to be like, no, like. We need you. I just thought that was it was really endearing. Um, I, I really do like though that the payoff of the self destruct came back because like yes, they really from the first episode from the first yeah. episode where yeah, he was he just really so paranoid to. he was just like I must self destruct. <laughs> no, 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 don't do yeah. that. <laughs> and I love that moment where he's like he's like um, there's nothing to be sad about. I've never been alive. And then Dan Jaren's just like. I'm not sad. And he's like, yes, you are. I'm a nurse droid. I've scanned your voice. Like, you're sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I love I, I I love that, you know, there's that revelation for the character to kind of get over his his uh, his issues with droids and to see a droid actually help him. It's, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm going to miss, I think, like, I'm probably going to miss Taika more than IG-11 in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know they're one and the same, but, like, I just feel like... It's it, we're not going to see Taika Waititi back in this series. Probably I really don't not. think so. Probably, Probably not. not. Maybe maybe as like a, a guest appearance in some form or another, like as a voice in in you know another droid or something like that. Yeah, I would but, see. Uh, I would see all IG yes, bots having. They his all voice. have the same voice. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. And there's like a bunch of them at one point. Um, but as much as it did suck. Yeah. Um, it was necessary. Yeah. He was too good. Yeah. We couldn't. You know. It was good, and it was a good like. Um, we talked about uh, Knives Out having that bookmark. It was a good bookmark for the character. Yes. He started that Absolutely. way. Yeah. He yeah. ended that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Grief Karga, when they're, when, so they get out of the, the tunnel and they're in the lava boat and they're being attacked by Moff Gideon coming in a, in a, in a, um, TIE fighter and uh, Grief Karga looks at the 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 child and goes come on baby do the hand do thing. the magic hand thing and then he just waves at him <laughs> I'm so out of ideas nice. so good yeah. um and uh and yeah and then and then there's that awesome moment where you know um Mando just 
blasts himself up, um, you know, hook shots himself to the the Tie Fighter. Like we've never seen combat like this. I don't think ever mm-hmm. in a Star Wars. Have no, we? Have, no, that's probably, I guess that's the only thing I can think true. of is like in Attack of the Clones when they're flying through the the, the city. Yeah, right. That would be the only moment that mm-hmm. we had some. But this was this was better than that. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good. And he attaches. He he struggles at first with the bomb and it flies off, and then he finally attaches one to the wing. And you just see John Carlos Esposito like naturally like he he breaks his like his cool facade and then just oh no no and he like freaks out and it was awesome such a good moment yeah the ship crashes and well at the it's it's the end of the end of this movie i mean this show uh this season um it i did think that the very end moments we talked about pacing being really good i'd say this is probably the worst portion for pacing at the very end of the series uh, at the very end of the season, uh, this episode, when they're walking out and he's just like, it almost seems a little bit too quick. Like he lands and then just immediately starts walking all casually towards them. And they kind of just, there's that very cheesy moment where they're like, I don't know, like we're going to stay in town and we've, we've cleaned up the town. And, and, uh, and Mando is like, he wants to leave to see, get the child home. And there's that line where like grief cargo is like, um, take care of this little one and and then or no he's like he's like or maybe it'll take care of you and it was just like i I get it like i was fine with it but i thought it was probably the cheesiest part of this episode i I think though that it it does cap the episode though right like it has to have and it and it does but it felt too quick like it just felt like it was really quick yeah Yeah. but i think also at the same time it 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 kind of feels like that typical cowboy western yes narrative where it's just it just wraps up and hey you've you've saved the town (laughs) you know what i mean like um and then yeah i guess you know will we see grief karga and cara dune again i think so yeah i think so right yeah they're 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 good enough characters that i think we can we can still see them back it might not be for the first he's gonna have to bring the gang back for something it's probably gonna be boba yeah and then uh and then we get that you know he buries quill and we see the little rocks in the helmet um and you know you know rest in peace um and then he he leaves and the camera pans over and we get the stinger for season one boba fett walks out no i'm just joking <laughs> um no it was like what did it, i miss yeah, psych. <laughs> uh no it's it's moff gideon um he stabs through his his you know down uh tie fighter with the dark saber the legendary yes. legendary dark saber so you, for those who don't know the dark saber is from the clone wars um and it's it's a really important thing to the the world of mandalore um and it, it's you know it started off between um like the jedi took it back at one point and then the mandalorians took it back and it's exchanged hands before it's darth maul had it darth at some maul point right? had yeah. it at some point right so definitely check out like the clone wars series i think this show if it's going to do anything it's going to get people watching that series i hope mm-hmm. yeah and I, I like that they brought over an element that is from that animated series yes. and, and like that the lore yeah that they put into this one because there's there's a lot of elements throughout this whole season that yes. come from the animated series uh lore and i think that that's that's good continuity yeah because even though this is live action versus animated it's still existing in the it's same all the same universe, canon right yeah it's all the same canon. and i've always said that star wars like in my like i guess we might share this opinion but star wars is the most enjoyable as an entire piece 
not one individual element. So if you're going to watch this show and you're, you're, you've now gotten used to Star Wars television, go back, watch Clone Wars, watch Rebels, maybe watch Resistance. It's, it's pretty good, too. Um, but yes, definitely check out Clone Wars. Um, and then before we get into season two, which is already starting to film, apparently. They've yes. already yeah, they've started already, They're already in production. They announced the date for no, uh, fall 2020. Fall 2020. Which so I guess puts sense. it in October, November. Yeah, it's time. a year. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I think Johnny Favs put out a picture of... Um, a new character. Was it a new character? It was just a pic. Uh, it was a picture of like a naked Gamorrean. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he wasn't naked. He had like a loincloth on. But yeah, Johnny Favreau put that 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 photo, and it's like maybe that's going to be a new character. Maybe voiced by Bill Burr in no, oh. <laughs> another Boston actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another Boston actor from the planet of Boston, or an actor that can't do a Boston <laughs> accent, and it's just really bad. Guys, uh, I give this episode ten dark sabers out of ten. Wow. Yeah, this is my favorite episode of the season. It's definitely my favorite. Um, I think it ended season one really nicely, like wrapped up a lot of the things that we'd been waiting for. Yes. And also did a good job of getting us ready for season two. We kind of know where our character, or at least what he needs to do now. Yep. Um, A great little cliffhanger there. You know, we have our main, main bad guy. There's lots to look forward to and wonder about what's going to happen. Yeah. 9.5 Darksabers. There you go. Yeah. Wow. I was going to give it a solid 9.5 Darksabers as well. Uh, for the exact same reason. It it closes out that arc of the story. It, it, it sets up for me to be at least interested in what's going to happen in season two yep. and where they're going to go. Yep. Um, it, it just checked off all the boxes for me, at least. Um, well, yeah. it's funny. And it's funny you kept referring to it as a movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, because at least seven and eight together are almost a movie. A yeah, movie, they, they right? feel they feel like a movie. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think you know um, we'll quickly just give our rating for the season overall. Um, like I, I I would give this season season one of the Mandalorian an eight Mandalorians out of ten. Um, I think it 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 was clunky to say the least in certain portions of it i think it suffers from what the sequel trilogy suffered from which is just too many hands in in too many pots of of just not finding the 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 exact tone that they want to go with for the this series i don't think they found it but i think that i think going into the next season i think they did use this season as a way to say cool what works what doesn't what do fans engage with and what don't they engage with and i think going into season two i think johnny favreau is going to make the the right choice and stick with you know deborah chow femi yua and 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 maybe a few other more high list um i don't directors. think it, i don't think it has so much to do with with the directors that Sure, you could say that, argue that it's the directors that you choose, but I yeah. think that you know it's choosing the right director for for the right episode. I, I think the the biggest case of that not working was episode four yeah. right. with Bryce Dallas yes. Howard. She was not the right director based on her experience to do as much action. Yeah, as I would that have liked to seen Deborah Chow do that one. That yeah. would have been a good one for her to do. But no, I, I think that this just suffers from season one pilot sort of mentality yeah, where it's, just, it's figuring it out it, it's figuring out its grooves to your point they're gonna there's probably a, a sense of research or you know that's coming off of each of these episodes that they're able to engage with and understand I think it's worked. gonna be really helpful for them to see what worked with fans and what didn't going into season yes. two yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, for eight episode season you yeah. don't need the filler that we got yes I wish it was more of one long story right. versus I'm gonna start the story 
random, random, random yeah. adventure back to the main story was, that we yes. started. If you it know? was 12 episodes with the same amount of filler, it would have been better. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I agree with Kevin. I think that the thing that this this whole this season suffers is that they didn't focus too much on, on a, a very linear narrative that goes through all the episodes. Yeah. It was a lot of like you know filler and then coming back to those narratives like yes. we were discussing for that reason i probably would give this a seven yeah okay. I'm, I'm a 7.9 7.9 7. yeah, yeah. It, the, the good was good the bad was worse yes and i yeah. think if they can capitalize and figure out what really worked well and do more of that for season two and give me just a, a story for season two yeah not a random adventure here and or there in the going, middle of it you if know? you're going to then let it serve a purpose to that that's yes. all that's all I, I would I would say right? if you're listening Johnny make sure that that's what happens in season two yeah. um, well guys that's it for our final episode of 2019 our, our last episode of the decade of the decade <laughs> it's our last episode of this season as well yes yep. absolutely and and listen it's been so fantastic um to make it like a weekly appointment to get together with you guys and just uh talk about all things geek centric um i know we would do it normally but without the microphones but uh but you know i love the idea of listening to these later um kind of like almost like a time capsule in a way right yeah yeah um and it's just Aww. a fun way to kind of get down your thoughts and our thoughts and just to be able to be together. Yeah. I just, I really enjoy it. The whole experience of the podcast has been very educating from the standpoint of like actually making the podcast, but also just how to articulate thoughts and share them collectively. It's right? not as easy as it seems. No, I, I and that's, I, I could easily say that. <laughs> I, I, I find it sometimes We've all hosted difficult. an episode. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's just been fun to pay homage and talk about and, and share our love for all things geeky yep. in a different way than the YouTube channel allows us Absolutely. to do. So, yeah. so the more we get to to pay respects to the things that enrich our lives is is awesome. Absolutely. So we're going to be taking a hiatus though from the yes. podcast a brief as break. of yeah, as of this episode. Yeah. And we'll probably come back in February. Yeah. Um, Kevin's going to come back a married man. Yes. I'll, be, I'll be wearing some jewelry. There you go. There some you Beskar go. armor. And we'll have some uh tales from Batu. Yes. Yes. To share. Yeah, That's we'll probably be our episode stories. 1. Yeah, that yeah, should be tales our episode from Batu. 1. Yeah. Oh, more Star Wars. Good. Do <laughs> <laughs> you guys like Star Wars? We hope so. Yeah, um, we hope so. Thank you so much for listening uh, for the past three months uh, that we've been doing this, if you've, if you've been listening that long. And if you haven't um, already, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. We have a lot planned for 2020, and we cannot wait to share it with you, whether that be through our podcast or on our YouTube channel, which I think we're at, what, 17 Just shy of 17, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're so growing. excited to, to see what new avenues we can explore. Uh, another another million view uh, video under our belts. Frozen just crossed the, the really? million view yeah. point. Oh, so, cool. That's yeah. the first time I'm hearing about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Well, listen, uh, we are geek-centric, and you can be too. So uh, that means you can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek-centric. You can follow us on Twitter at geek-centric-yt, and follow us on Instagram at wearegeek-centric. Justin, Kevin... Thank you so much for joining me for today's season finale filled episode. And as we say, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace. May the force be with you. I have spoken. This oh. is the way. This, this is, is the way. The way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should have practiced that. <laughs>